So I look at vitality first. That's what I look at. Vitality. How vital are you really? Mm-hmm. And because if I can increase your vitality, then I can change your life. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. Well, what do we do on the podcast? Uh, we talk to wellness experts. Well, what do we talk about? wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Well, look at here this lovely gray afternoon here in February. Yes, it is um, gloomy today. It's really kind of a bummer. It's gross. We had, uh, especially when you get to talk to somebody who's sitting in a sunny room in Palm Beach. Thank you. Thank you for that transition. You're welcome. Um, My brain's not working today. See how I did that? We, um, yes. Is he in Boca? Where is he? I think he's in Boca. Dr. Bob Willicks. So, Dr. Iron Man, Bob Willis. Seriously. He is a truly amazing functional medicine. I mean, is that technically... He's so many things. He's so, so many things. It feels weird to just give him one title because he has so many. Formerly a cardiac surgeon, and he left cardiac surgery basically to pursue the path of integrative medicine. And uh, along the way, had some kind of fun stops. He's basically a collector of modalities. He just... He's got a little... His toolbox. He's like acupuncturist, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, shaman. He's a shaman. Do you say shamanism? Shamanism. Yeah. He has studied shamanistic shamanistic practices. I don't know. He, I mean, talk about someone who just never stops evolving and learning. He's such an inspiration. He's he's just cool. He's a cool dude. We (laughs) talked about longevity because obviously if I'm going to take advice from anybody on how to live long and vitally, it's going to be him. Um, So he's got some very cool uh, insights. He's got a book called The Rejuvenation Solution, which is the seven-day plan to jumpstart ageless health. And I think everybody needs to read it and memorize it and take his advice. He's smart. Smart dude. Smart cookie. We love him. We're going to come. Oh, and he has a full moon party. That's right. He has like a full moon. I'm probably, it's probably not called a party. What does he call it? It's like a full moon uh, uh, ceremony. Ceremony yeah. every month down in Florida. And, yeah. If he uh, thinks we're not showing up to crash the next one, he's wrong. He's probably showing up in like mermaid costumes or something. <laughs> going to be amazing. All right. Well, here is Dr. Bob Alex. Enjoy. Welcome. Welcome, Dr. Bob Willicks. Thank you very You're much. Welcome. So nice, to, nice to meet you. How's the weather up there in New York? I feel like that's a trick question because you know the answer is not as good as... No, I don't know. I don't watch the news, so I have no idea. It could be balmy and 75 degrees. You don't watch the news? Do you know who our president is right now? Uh, I know who he may be. <laughs> that's a good answer. Wow. Well, the weather is lovely, but not like it is in Florida. So, okay, let's just get okay. right to it. You wrote this amazing book. Why we we're so eager to talk to you is because you have zeroed in on a subject that we constantly talk about, which is longevity. 
longevity, um, aging properly, aging properly. Um, and you wrote the rejuvenation solution, uh, the seven day plan to that jump starts ageless health. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess, you know, the obvious question is what is the plan? What are the steps and how are you thinking about agelessness, aging backwards? Go on, Erica. I see you have a question. I was just going to jump in and say, before we get into that, okay. I would actually like to hear a little bit about your background, which is fascinating from what we've read and how your career trajectory has led you to this place of understanding and really exploring aging in, as I think it's fair to say, some really alternative and interesting methods. So can we start there and then kind of move into the conversation in specific? Yeah. It, so my background, basically, I, uh, I went, uh, got my master's in uh, biology and <laughs> was literally farmed to medical school to get my MD and my PhD. Because, but I had no idea what I would do with an MD. So I had no, de- no desire to become a medical doctor. And I uh, went to the University of Missouri, did my MD, PhD work at Missouri, never sat for my thesis because I fell in love with medicine. So I never, I finished all my PhD work, but never got my PhD. Uh, Became a medical doctor and went on to the University of Michigan. And at the time, open heart surgery was just in its infancy. Renee Favalaro had started doing bypass surgery. And I, I just, thought this is the pioneer. This is what we're going to do. We're going to cure heart disease. And I, I studied at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, became a cardiovascular surgeon, got recruited to go to South Dakota to start the first open heart surgery program in the state of South Dakota when I was 34 years old. Wow. Uh, was um, enamored with heart surgery, but then when I got into it, I started realizing that all we were doing is putting a Band-Aid on a big wound. We weren't, we weren't doing anything about the source. Mm-hmm. So I started evolving back to my roots, which was exercise, and <clears throat> got back to becoming an athlete again, because in medical school, you don't have time. In residency, you have even less time, so... I'd been right. an athlete. The great irony of doctors is that they can't actually, they don't have time to live a healthy lifestyle. They do own. not. And their, and their life expectancy is much shorter than the average male in the United States. <laughs> really? And, oh, yeah. Much, much shorter. Like, is there like, that, that was, like five years? That was like, one how? of the things that triggered it for me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing heart surgery and I'm operating on a 35-year-old when I'm 34. He has no family history of heart disease. I don't. He has the normal cholesterol. My cholesterol has always been under 150. His, he wasn't exercising. I wasn't exercising. He was, he was on a lousy diet. I was on a lousy diet. And the whole thing just evolved into where I'm thinking I'm operating on myself. I better start looking at life expectancy of a heart surgeon is. I, um, I looked up the average life expectancy of a heart surgeon in 1977, and it was 56 years old. Mm. I was 35. And and I had five kids. So you had five kids at the age of 34. Well, 36 by 36, I had five. Wow! 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 So anyway, to make a long story short, I um, you know I started looking at me. 
first. And, um, you know, I tell the story in the book about my dad, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, I started exercising again, and eventually I got hooked on running marathons and became a, you know, an, I started a running club and taught people exercise. So I had the ladies auxiliary build a track in the basement of the hospital so I could teach my heart patients that they didn't have to, you know, that they could have a heart attack and still recover. And uh, it went on to where I started writing about nutrition, which I knew nothing about from medical school, but learned about, became a vegetarian, eventually became a vegan in 1977. And wow. Lost a bunch of weight because I was a slug before I started running again. Couldn't run, literally couldn't run 100 yards without getting short of breath, even though I had nothing wrong with me. And ran my first marathon and the first year and actually ran my second marathon. My, my first marathon I ran with my father who beat me by eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, How so old was your dad at the time? At the time I was 36 and he was 65, 64. Wow. Wow. So anyway, um, I, my, my passion became exercise and nutrition and I'm I, you know, so, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but I, I, I left cardiac surgery in 1981 to really look at who was doing what in preventive medicine. And I met George Sheehan, who was an avid runner and cardiologist from Red Bank, New Jersey. And he was actually the editor of Runner's World for years and a philosopher. And, and he wrote a book in 1987, excuse me, 881 and the, and the flyleaf of the book, he said to Bob Willicks, who will eventually give up the knife to prove that exercise is the medicine of the future. Wow. And when wow. I, when I, so 81, I, I told my partner I was taking a 30 day leave of absence. I left my practice uh, to go around, met Sheehan and others that were doing preventive medicine. Um, went down to Ken Cooper's place in Dallas, Texas, who was the founder of the aerobics movement and decided I was going to leave heart surgery and go start something. I didn't know what. Got recruited to go to Florida to become the first director of cardiac rehabilitation. In my career since then, I walked out of the operating room February 1981 and never walked back in one. Haven't been to a hospital or an operating room since. And I started pursuing healers. Really, that was my mission. Find people who knew something other than what MDs knew. And I studied with Qigong masters, and I studied acupuncture, and I studied Ayurveda at the time when Deepak Chopra was with the Maharishi. I learned transcendental meditation. I learned about herbs. I learned about energy. I learned about sound. I learned about... Everything that people are talking about now and you're learning about it 30 plus, 40 years ago. I was learning about it 37 years ago. Amazing. So I started a facility back in the 80s that was a wellness center and it was a large 10,000 square foot facility. We had psychologists and acupuncturists and physical therapists in a gym and we were doing wellness back before wellness was a word. And, Mm -hmm. uh, started thinking about who heals, you know, what healers look like. And they really never looked like they had an MD after their name. So I started <laughs> looking after healers and 
you know, found Reiki therapists and uh, people doing unique things and eventually wound up studying with the Cato shaman in Peru, Alberto Vialdo, who wrote the Shaman Healer Sage, enticed me to come to study with him because what I was doing, he called shamanic medicine back in 1998 or so. I didn't know what a shaman was, so I went to study with him. And, How do you uh, define shaman? What is a shaman? Shaman is, a, is, is, is an energy healer, essentially. A shaman is, is someone who uses natural ways to bring about healing of the mind, the body, and the soul. Like ayahuasca? Ayahuasca is one form of healing. Ayahuasca mm-hmm. is plant-based healing. Uh, mm-hmm. Ayahuasca is a hallucinogenic uh, means. It, ayahuasca means a death plant. The death vine is, the, is what ayahuasca means. Mm. So ayahuasca is used by ayahuasqueros. So people who use the ayahuasca are called ayahuasqueros. Before they become ayahuasqueros, so that's their plant-based med- That's what they use for healing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they use it for healing everything from depression to cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. So one plant, uses, you know, so you, you know that it's not the ayahuasca. It's not the ayahuasca. It's what they do with the energy of mm-hmm. the ayahuasca. It's how they instill the energy of the ayahuasca and how the energy brings about, you know, experiences that, you know, heal at at the spiritual level or at the soul level. But, you know, it's not all about spirituality. It's really about energy. And it's about using sound and vibration and and bringing about a, a change in the, what I call the energy body, which is actually the last chapter of my book. It's called the, uh, uh, what I call the Apollo factor, mm-hmm. that we all have it two bodies, an energy body and a physical body. And our energy body is really where all disease starts. It starts Mm -hmm. with our cellular vibration going out of tune. And when our cells go out of tune, dis-tune or dis-ease occurs. So I've been studying, you know, everything from sound medicine to to plant medicine to... uh, so I believe that nature has all the healing and that we really are connected to nature. And as an MD studying as an allopathic physician, it's hard to get physicians to transfer their thought processes to yeah. the fact that there are many, many ways to heal and drugs and surgery aren't the only ways. Uh, there are, you know, so I think we're great at treating acute illnesses in the United States. But Western medicine is very limited. Western medicine isn't going to prolong your life. It's right. not going to. It's not going to give you quality of life. It may give you uh, time, but it's not necessarily going to give you a quality life. So I've studied everything that I can think of to bring about understanding how we age. You know why? Why do we age? You know what is it? But more importantly, how do we stay vigorous? How do we stay healthy as we age? So I don't really know that I, I like the word anti-aging because to me, it seems like you're fighting the aging process. Right, right. It's automatically resistant. And we've been fighting kind of cancer and fighting bacteria. And we're losing right. that battle big time. 
So I think it's about learn. I think it's really education. We need to educate. You know, it's like I, I, I was just asked to, to just, you know, talk about the coronavirus, which is, mm. you know, obviously a major health risk around the world. And we're, you know, because we're not prepared for these things. We're, we aren't preparing ourselves. We, are, we, haven't, we haven't upregulated our immune system. So our only solution in medicine is to try and find another immunization. You know, right. but the bacteria are so far ahead of us. We're never, we're never really proactive. What about the That's idea That's what the that... book's about. The book's yeah. about being proactive. Knowing, right. so when you say, what's the plan? Well, the plan is to take and understand that you go through stages in your cellular health. You know, there's oxidative stress. There's, there's um, you know, your telomeres or cell or parts of the DNA that shorten. There's, there's uh, a difference between your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. There's a difference between your epigenes, how your DNA is, you know, is told what to do. Um, you know, and, and I think we're in the best time. I mean, I've been in medicine for 50 years and I, I think we're in the best time ever because we're finally outside of drugs and surgery. You're promoting a, a way to stay healthy and you're yeah. looking for, you know, you're, you know, leading the, leading the way just like I was. You know, but I've been in the wilderness for a long. I'm so pleased to be talking to people who understand. And I think it's, you know, like I've, I've said before, this transition has taken a long time to occur, but we're here. Yeah. You know, the masses want to know, how do I, you know, and so now we're talking about fasting. Well, we were talking about fasting 4,500 years ago when right. we studied Ayurveda. Ayurveda been telling us to fast once a week for 4,500 years. Right. It's really more a question of this information is not new. It's really how we're able to package it up and present it and make it feel like it's not so out there and woo-woo. And I think especially coming from you, someone in your position who is an MD, this is not, this is not um, a question of of integrity or, or, you know, academic experience and, and, and capability. This is your taking everything you've learned from the traditional medical world and saying, okay, this is all true, but there's so much more. And I think that you're like the exact vehicle that, that we need to emulate as often as, I mean, what is the community for you? How many MDs are in the population that also embrace this outer uh, these kind of outer conversations and outer modalities that we're trying to bring more inside into the into the mainstream. I, you know, I don't know the the answer to that. I think obviously there are a lot more MDs that are realizing that we we have to be more preventive and proactive oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think more impo- more importantly, we've developed you know what what you might call mid-level practitioners that are that are bringing their field into the foreground. So now we have you know we have nurses that have medical background that are becoming nurse practitioners. We have physicians assistants that are actually being able to help us in medicine, you know, look at other fields of med- we have massage therapists, we have 
you know, we have a lot of techniques that are ancient techniques. Mm -hmm. And now we have trained people. But more importantly, I think to answer your question about MDs, we're begin the MDs are beginning to get interested in understanding if we understand that disease is really an inflammatory process. It's an inflammatory process across the cells, then what is the mechanism at the cellular level? Well, the problem is we learned that in our second year of medical school, and we hoped we never would have to hear the word Krebs cycle again. Right. <laughs> we were praying, please, God, don't make me understand the Krebs cycle. And as an integrative physician for all of these years, I'm blessed to have not said, please don't let me learn about the Krebs cycle because those of us that have been doing integrative or alternative medicine have really been studying you know, the, the cellular mechanisms of disease. And now I think the MDs are coming to this field because the basic science is proving what the ancients already knew. It's so crazy because Hippocrates talked about clary sage oil improving your mental acuity. Clary sage oil is an omega is a plant-based omega-3-6 fatty acid. I tried it to induce labor. I mean, it does love me. <laughs> and, and you know, and so yeah. you know, I think that, you know, it isn't about, I think we're learning. It's not about a, a, a supplement. It's not about, it's about a system. Yeah. Right. The system very good is beginning to become a marriage between basic science and allopathic or integrative physician. So there's a lot of MDs studying hormone therapy. There's a lot of MDs studying peptides. There's a lot of MDs studying nutrition, more MDs studying nutrition and nutraceuticals. In answer to your question, there's thousands of MDs that are questioning it. The problem is they're having a hard time transitioning into it because the insurance-based system isn't reimbursing them right. for their time and effort. So it's hard to give up insurance-based medicine when you have to charge for what you're doing. It's, it's difficult, you know, even though they're highly trained and ready and they're highly educated, you know, not everybody can afford personalized integrated medicine. They just yeah. can't afford it. It's not cheap. So it's, it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, the only reason I'm keeping my insurance is like emergency room, broken bone type situations. Right. Like otherwise, I'm paying out of pocket to go to integrative doctors and everyone else, you know. So um, it's quite a luxury that I have. But uh, but I know what I'm walking into when I go to a regular, you know, Western MD. So trying to. Well, I think there. that's the difference. You get what you pay for. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. And if you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for the connection between the mind and body, you're not going to find it. And I, I'm not bashing allopathic physicians, but they don't spend the time. I mean, I, I never see a patient for less than an hour initially. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about your practice today. Like, so yeah. if I were to come to you as a patient with just, you know, no one specific ailment, but just generally not feeling great, maybe feeling like I could feel better, want to understand a little bit more about what's going on. How do you practice today? Like, what is your approach? Um, because you've obviously studied 
so many different yeah. you know, modalities. Yeah. It, it, so what do you apply and when and how do you choose? Uh, the first thing that, that you know, there's, a, there's an ancient diagnostic tool that Ayurvedic physicians taught me 30 plus years ago called pulse diagnosis. Yes. So when you, when you put your hand on the pulse, you're not measuring their heart rate, which we, that electrocardiogram does that, but you're measuring where the imbalances are in their physiology. And so and this I is do, what they're doing in, in. I do pulse diagnosis on everybody that comes in contact with me. And first, before I ever order a test, yeah. I do a pulse diagnosis, which is, and, you know, what a Chinese physician does. They use two right. pulses. We use one. We use one left hand for females and right hand for males. Really? That's interesting. And we, so I use pulse diagnosis first. And then I know why you came to see me. You may not know why you came to so see me. So what are you doing? Yeah, what are you picking up when you when do you, this? Because we yeah, talked well, about it with acupuncture. The Ayurvedic system is different. So it's a little bit like Chinese medicine. When a Chinese physician, actually, it predates the Chinese system. Mm -hmm. so Ayurveda means knowledge of life. So I'm asking you questions about your life. You know, how do you sleep? How are your, how, what do you eat? What are your eliminate? So I'm getting those questions, but then I'm feeling your pulse, which is actually telling me, oh, this young woman, she's got problems with uh, a somanavada, which is a, a, a portion of your, of your pulse that says she's got issues with her digestive system. She may not recognize the issues. That may not be what she's thinking about, but in the Ayurvedic system, you don't look at the organs the same way. You're looking at the energy of the digestive system. You're looking at the energy of the mind. You're looking at, you know, I say to, to pe people get blown away when you take their Ayurvedic pulse and you say, look, I don't know what happened to you, but I know that there's been some significant injury to your spiritual heart, not your physical heart, your spiritual heart. So you pick I that up from a pulse. The Ayurvedic, yeah, in, in seconds, literally in seconds. So when you've done thousands and thousands of pulses, you learn, you know, stop just, you know, start listening to the, to the physiology of the pulse because the pulse tells you a lot. And then, then I ask questions. And then I find out, well, you originally said to me, I'm healthy, but why aren't you sleeping through the night? You know, why, what do you mean you're, well, if you're healthy, why are you not, you know, eliminating, you know, why are you not having bowel movements every day? What, what do you mean you're healthy and you're telling me, you know, you can't keep up with your kids, your, your energy levels drained at the end of the day. Uh, you, you know, so I started looking at which systems are really going to, so I, you look at vitality first. That's what I look at. Vitality. How vital are you really? Mm -hmm. And because if I can increase your vitality, then I can change your life. And then you're going to agree that if I can increase your vitality, so I talk to people all over the world and I say, what is the most important thing that we want as human beings? Energy. We want energy. We want to have boundless energy. Mm -hmm. And yet we have an epidemic of nutritional imbalance because we have an epidemic of diabetes. We have an epidemic of insomnia because we're mm -hmm. overstimulating our central nervous system with our computers, our, you know, our, tel our cell phones. We, we, we don't have a life anymore. 
So I talked to him about, so in answer to your question, I do an Ayurvedic pulse. I, I listen. I write down notes. I take a social history. Where were you born? How do you get along with your, your siblings? You know, do you have siblings? What I ask social questions. And then I know who you are better. Once I get that, then I can say, okay, you know, your father died of a heart attack. Maybe it's important for us to start looking at your risk of heart disease at the age of 25, not wait until you're 60 to figure out that you had heart disease at 25. And oh, by the way, because your father had heart disease, I start counseling you on some habits that you want to avoid. You, you, you don't want to be a smoker ever. I don't care whether it's marijuana or whether it's a cigarette. You don't want to be a smoker if your father died of a heart attack at the age of 50 because you have a 25. So I educate them as I'm talking to them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've done some unique things. I, I do an exercise test on a bicycle and measure really? oxygen consumption. Because from that, I can tell you everything about your lungs, your risk of heart disease. And then I, then I measure, you know, I measure intimal, in, I, I measure, you know, with a, with a little finger device, I measure the, the status of your inflammatory process of the endothelium of your, you know, so, so I do things that are non-invasive first. I'll look at your blood work and I'll look, but I want to know. You know, what's your hormone imbalance? Where, what, is your, what are your vitamin D levels? What are you, you know, how are you, met, how are you methylating? You know, how are you methylating? I can tell that from your homocysteine levels to a certain degree. And then I may do, I may say, look, <clears throat> based on what you're telling me, I need more information. So I want to do, I want to do a saliva test to measure your epigenetics. And I'll do a, a, a DNA evaluation to, to say, you know, where your where your enzymes are, where your MTHFR, where your MTRR is, how COMT is breaking down. You know, <clears throat> I can tell you how you detoxify estrogen from your saliva. I can tell you how you how you uh, why you're not sleeping if you know if if you're doing what you read on the internet. Well, the reason you're not sleeping is you're taking melatonin and melatonin for you is the wrong thing to do because you're you're going down you need to go upstream for and find out why you're breaking dopamine down the wrong way mm-hmm. so i i look at why you came to see me and then i look at how can i help you what is it that i can do now in the first visit to make you have more energy mm-hmm. i'm an energy guy i believe yeah. that i believe that if i can give you energy and then i may say okay we know that you're, you know, so I may use, you know, nutrition to start with. That may be all I do is tell you, look, you, you've got to go plant-based if you want to improve your el- elimination. You need prebiotics. So I get into the physiology of prebiotics and probiotics and why you need probiotics and why you don't want to take drugs that interfere with your microbiome. So I understand all this. I've studied it for so long <laughs> that I know that your gut is your immunity. Mm-hmm. Vitamin D3 is important, you know? And all of these things that you're saying just in these examples, I mean, these are pretty universal, right? This is not even something specific. Like, are these 
these are, are broad examples, but you could say yes. to everybody, like you need D3, you need to adjust your microbiome, you need more plants. I mean, do you do you promote a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle exclusively I, I or do. is it more just I, adding? I, I, I do promote uh, a, a, a vegetarian lifestyle. I mm-hmm. do. I don't, I'm not a zealot about it. And, you know, I'm personally a vegan. I've been a vegan for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I, but being a vegan, I always say to people, being a vegan is really hard. It's hard to be a good vegan. So don't just jump onto the vegan. Right. Brand it's hard to be a good vegan. Yeah. We can yeah, all eat vegan. veggie burgers hard. and fries. <laughs> hard. Yes. Because yeah. Because they go to the carbohydrates. Yeah. And then they're upregulating. Yeah. They're insulin and now they're insulin resistant because they're eating nothing but carbs and they're gaining weight and they're going, I'm a vegetarian. No, and, you're not a vegetarian. And manufactured food, like fake, oh, fake meat I, replacement. I, I, taught, I, taught, I do a lot on you know, talking about if it's not growing in the ground or it's coming off a tree, forget it. Yeah. So you've been a, a vegan box. for... In fact, in my book, I talk about the square pig. The, the square sc- pig is in every... Yeah, the square pig is a term that I use for the center of every grocery store in the United States. So oh, yeah. <laughs> stay out of it. <laughs> stay yeah. out of the square pig. Yeah, that means There's stay... in the square pig that you need. Nothing. That means the, the outer aisles is where you find the fresh produce and everything else, and the right. closer you get so to the center of the, the grocery store. Pig, yeah. Inside the square pig, they're luring you in there. Okay? Yeah, for Once sure. they get you in there, you're going to find something bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to find something in a box, something that's processed, Maybe on the end cap of the square pig, you'll find, you know, whole, you'll find a steel ground oatmeal. Maybe that's it. But don't go inside. <laughs> don't take two steps in because two <laughs> steps in, you know, what? make sure you got one foot on the aisle and the other foot inside the square pig. If you can't reach it, get out of it. <laughs> right, right. So when you transitioned to a vegan diet, did you yeah. monitor your your blood work and everything else as you made the, the shift? And if so, what, what changed? I didn't. You did I didn't know anything. I became a vegan in 1977. I didn't know what to monitor. Right. But so you, why did you do it? That it was... I, I did it because I was living in South Dakota and everything in my refrigerator was, was wild caught. You know, we, we hunted. I mean, my partners were avid hunters and, and I had a freezer full of animals and, and people were starting to talk about, um, you know, Nathan Pritikin was starting to talk about, you know, plant-based nutrition being beneficial. Uh, so I, 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 I didn't know what a vegetarian was. So I just decided I was going to do a vegetarian diet for 30 days. 30 days. I'm not going to eat any animal protein for 30 days. During that 30 days, I ate eggs and cheese, but I didn't know they were animal protein. You know, I, I was so uneducated because I didn't know anything. I just figured, well, I'm going to eat more plants. And my energy level went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had just started exercising. And so my running got faster. My weight dropped. So I stuck with it for 60 days. Then I stuck with it for 90 days. And the longer I stuck with it, the more I learned about its benefits and the more I refined it. So over a year, over a year, I went from vegetarianism to becoming a vegan. And over years, I've, you know, I've learned the importance of juicing and fasting and 
you know, all those other things. But uh, I did it because, you know, I I did it because at the time I had, like I said, I was running marathons. I, you know, I started when I was starting running, I weighed 220 pounds. And when I was running marathons, it was 165 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'd wow. lost your 60 pounds, you know, just being a vegetarian. Right. And, and, doing and it properly. I, and I could, and I, and remember I was doing open heart surgery, so I didn't get any sleep. I had more energy than anybody could keep. I mean, I just had so much energy. Yeah. I was running. I had a, a five mile loop around the hospital. I could get faster to the ER running my five mile loop at night to get to the emergency room. I could get there in six minutes from any point in my run. <laughs> okay, you are the surgeon everyone wants. Everyone <laughs> wants to imagine their surgeon running, physically, literally running to the, the OR with, and just put on a cape while you're at it. And being their own personal record in order to get there. Yeah, so was, wait, so now I have to ask you, sorry to, to stay so long on diet or you know nutrition, but there's, you know, I think veganism and plant-based is obviously very... Um, Topical, and everyone seems to be having a conversation around it lately. And I, you know, it's very important, obviously. Why? Uh, why? Why are they having the conversation? Why now? Yeah. Why? No. Why? Why suddenly did well, it become be, evident? Because you know, as as we've learned, as we've just were talking about earlier, I think that we've we've run out of choices. We've we've realized that how we've been doing it is not working, and we have to. I think there's another reason. What? Wait. Can I realize that we live with our bacteria? And our bacteria live with us. That we have more bacteria than we have cells. You have a you have a biome. You have a normal bacteria in your mouth that right. digest. You have a microbiome of your gut. You have a microbiome of your skin. And if you keep that bacterial balance, you, the reason the, the reason we're seeing so many children with allergies and asthmas because they're delivering them by C-section and they're avoiding the microbiome of the vagina. Yeah, I know. The reason we're talking about plant-based nutrition is because it improves your biome. It improves your bacterial flora. Yeah. Without plants, there is nothing about animal protein that is going to improve your health. Nothing. Nothing. I know. It's just There's no minerals and vitamins in meat. Or chicken, you, or yeah, agreed, and amen. So, so the reason being a vegan is so you know, or being vegetarian, it you know, the younger the young people are the ones that are getting it because right. they understand that you know, being a vegan improves their immune system. They can stay up longer. They can do more. They have more energy because it's not being a vegan. It's about how do I live with these bacteria that are more, um, more of me. You know, there's probably a microbiome in our brain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we know now that, I mean, if, if I started talking 30 years ago, and I did talk about this 30 years ago, telling you that your gums hold bacteria that could affect your heart, mm-hmm. you'd laugh me off the stage. You would probably click the button, say pause or get rid of this kook. But now we know that oral hygiene has something to do with shedding bacteria that could affect your heart. Yeah, they say death creeps in through the gums. Yeah, death. So, <laughs> so, so no Listerine. Why do you, okay, why do you get gum disease? Because the microbiome of your, 
you know, because we're taking all this stuff. Because you're using Listerine and... Yeah, well, you know, Nathan, the the nitric oxide, for example, which is the most important uh, vasodilator in your body. I have that supplement. We can talk about that later. (laughs) No, but but nitric oxide is a very important supplement. But you know, you use mouthwash, you sterilize, your nitric oxide supplement isn't working. Right, no mouthwash, only coconut oil. Right. So you don't get the vasodilatory effect. Yeah. So, so when I wrote the book, I started thinking about we know that we know that oxidation is pro- so we have to watch out for environmental changes, mm-hmm. and we have to you know and we have to learn that there are good you know some of our habits you know when I was training for the Ironman I, and running four hundred miles a week and training eighty miles of of, of running and 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 doing, you know, who knows how many miles of swimming every day. That wasn't healthy. I was creating damage to my body. Right. Doing exercises is, is creating oxidation. Mm-hmm. Why all our athletes break down because they, so I, I teach the balance between your gut, your mouth, your, you know, make sure that all those things that you can control are in balance. And that's why vegetarian diets are so important because you masticate, you actually change the oral microbiome, you change the microbiome. You, you can't chew a steak and tell me that's doing the same thing. It's not. Right. May, you may think you need all that protein. And I'm not saying that eating animal protein is all bad, but you have to have a plant-based source. Right. So you need the balance, which is what you're saying. You're not going to tell somebody who loves to eat meat that they absolutely have to swear it off, but you're going to encourage that they add way more plants. But I still think what we've ignored in medicine most of all is the importance of having extended state of of the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. I think probably the most important thing I learned in medicine is to meditate twice a day. I've been meditating. So let's get into this. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Before we ask, before we go into meditation, can I just ask are, just two seconds on gluten? Are you gluten free? What do you? What's your opinion? No, I'm not gluten free. Okay. But it's I don't know what I eat that has gluten in it. <laughs> you don't eat like brown rice or you pasta out of the square pig. No. No. No pasta. No pasta. Well, carbs do you eat? Wait, now I have to get to the bottom of this. It's like I'm fascinated. Beans. 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 I use. I use. Uh, you know, I. I do some some uh, whole grain rice. I use couscous. I use, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but mostly mostly green leafy vegetables. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. I don't. Medicine. I don't. I don't really crave them. You know, I grew up an Italian kid in North New Jersey, so we ate pasta every day. You've had so. enough to last a lifetime. <laughs> You've done it exactly. Okay. It's out of your system. Um, all right. Wait, I want to get into this parasympathetic nervous parasympathetic nervous system conversation because meditation, obviously, huge piece of this. And huge. Huge. thankfully, it's kind of finally reaching this mainstream conversation, but it can't get there soon enough, in my opinion. And so, speak to that for us, if you can. All right. So, so basically, for the for the lay person, you have two parts to your cent- central nervous system. You have a sympathetic nervous system, which allows us to sit up and have this conversation. It gives us the wake state. Then you have the healing part of your nervous system, which is the parasympathetic state. 
And the only time you really experience true parasympathetic state is during REM sleep. And if you're if you have 24 hours in your day and your sleep, even if your sleep is sound, you're getting eight hours every day, only a small portion of that sleep is REM sleep. Mm-hmm. So you're 24 hours a day, even if I had the best situation, you got three hours of REM, which no one gets, but let's right. say you got three hours of REM sleep. You got 21 hours of your day that you're in the sympathetic state. Yeah. You have, your adrenal glands are going to be drained. Your heart is going to work harder. Your central nervous system is in this state of contraction. It's in the state of, that's why 26% of the population has high blood pressure. And, that, and, and no one can find the cause. That's really interesting. Idiopathic hypertension. No cause. The cause is your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. So you have to treat yourself well enough to get into that. And you can't do it on a run. I've, you know, I've talked myself out of that where I can go on a run and I get the runner's high. That's not the same. I'm not the same running. Way. And when I'm running, I'm in the sympathetic state. So you have to find something that will quiet your mind, dilate your peripheral vascular system, slow down your vagus nerve, and get you into that state. Meditation, sound therapy, you know, devices that bring you into that state are extremely helpful. I write about some of them in the book. I, you know, it doesn't take a lot of work. You just have to do it a lot. I right. mean, and I don't mean a lot by, I tell people, people ask me this question all the time. How long should I meditate? My answer is always the same. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do it <laughs> yeah. twice a day. Do it What's twice your, a day. What is your practice? The reason I do it twice a day, I'll tell you my practice in a second. Yeah. What I do it twice a day is I believe your morning meditation before you do anything else is about getting rid of all the times you didn't meditate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cleaning what we call in the Ayurvedic, uh, in the uh, shamanic system, cleaning the hucha, cleaning, cleaning your, your closet. You're, you're, you're doing right, spring cleaning in the morning. In the afternoon, you're neutralizing what happened to you during the day because mm-hmm. you had a stressful day. You got a flat tire. Your boss told you you lost your job. Your wife just left you. Blah, 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 blah. blah. The saber-toothed tiger was ready to pounce. What do I do? I learned TM in 1987. I've been doing transcendental meditation since 1987, twice a day. I do other forms of meditation. I don't just do TM, but I do TM religiously. I use a, I use a, a, a very sophisticated device known as the Nucom. It's a headset that plays, tradi- plays specific vibrational sounds, N-U-C-A-L-M. I Wait, I'm sorry. Newcom. What is it again? Newcom, N-U-C-A-L-M. N-U-C-A-L-M. It's being used. It, it was used. It was originally used at, at NASA to train the the astronauts coming back from outer mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. So, like it's resonant being, tuning. Sorry. Resonant tuning. Yes, it's okay. it's a it's a, it's a way it's a way through sound to get you into the parasympathetic state and it improves. So I tell people who who tell me I can't meditate. There are people who cannot sit to meditate. They can't, but at least they can sit and listen. Mm -hmm. And so the new calm is a way to sit and listen. 
There are other devices. I have a friend of mine that, you know, created a musician, fantastic, created the whole tone system. So Mm -hmm. whole tones is the sound system. Uh, I think sound, breathing, chanting, all of those are ways to get into the parasympathetic state. Yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, all are ways to get into the parasympathetic state. It's not just sitting there home or doing what I do. I think it's one of the better ways because it's instantaneous. So for me, TM is quick, it's simple, and I only have to have one class. Right. Well, and I love that. I'm on my way. Yes, we were we were just having this conversation recently, and I love that we're able to speak about meditation in a very physiological, biological, yes. medical context. Because I think there are plenty of people out there who it's not even important to them because for them it's just that moment of quiet and it's more spiritual and it's all about you know sort of soothing no. their soul. But then there's this whole other camp that's like, ah, meditation is not for me. It's bullshit. It's you know, it's woo woo. And no, to be not. able to speak to it, exactly, to be able to speak to it from a medical, physiological, like this is what's actually happening in your system. I think this is so important. I'm so excited. It's, so I, I call the meditative state, I call the parasympathetic state your healing state. Yeah. Your body has, has a diurnal variation. There, so between 10 p.m. and 2 p.m., I mean 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., you're supposed to put the majority of nutrients into your body. Because that's when your digestive enzymes are at their peak. That's when your mind is at its peak. That's when the sun is at its peak. Yeah, no, it makes so much sense. It's so, and so it's just, that's where you should put most of your energy as far as food is concerned, as far as creativity is concerned. After two o'clock, then start working on slowing down. Right. Mundane you know, tasks. Yes, mind it down. Ask I I call them mindless tasks. Yeah, exactly. That's mindless kind of... tasks, things that you can do without thinking. You yeah. Know, I, when I was doing surgery, I used to build build things, you know, with my hands. Yeah. It was, you know, using a, a a giggly saw or using a saw was you know was easy and it was mindless. I did, right. mowing the lawn is a mindless task. Right. Yeah. We're going to stop scheduling all meetings task. after two p.m. Yeah, yeah. I mean we're. we're done. Totally agree with that schedule. Um, although there are people who who claim that they sort of peak in the in the evening hours. Um, they're wrong. They're, they're wrong. <laughs> I know. By the way, I'm they're talking about husband. To themselves. I yes, agree. They're kidding I agree. themselves. I'm a night person. No. BS. The Bull. human body. The human yes. body. The human body needs recovery. Mm-hmm. And 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is extremely important. It's yeah. when your nutrients get put into storage as protein. It's when your your blood flow to every organ you, you reduce the blood flow to the brain during between ten and two p.m. You mm-hmm. increase the blood flow to the kidneys for detoxification. You increase the blood flow to the GI tract to take the nutrients that you absorb and put them into protein. You 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 just I mean, just follow the physiology of the body. Right. And the sun. The body maybe. doesn't want to go to bed at two o'clock in the morning and wake up at 12 noon. It doesn't want to do that. No. Right. And what happens when that happens? I mean, do you, you just... You, you literally, you literally, you, you literally increase, you, you, you do so many things. First of all, it's an oxid. You put yourself into an oxidative state. 
-hmm. start rusting quicker. Rusting. Number two, yeah, because oxidation is rusting. Mm -hmm. Num number two, you shorten your telomeres. If you shorten your telomeres, that means you're not going to replicate your cells as often. Mm -hmm. uh, so you shorten your telomeres, you, 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 you oxidate more. You throw, remember, your, your whole hormonal balance comes from your brain. Right. Mm -hmm. The organs that make the hormones are in your body, but your brain controls it. And when you're in that state, your hormones are totally out of balance. So when you think I'm, I'm, you know, you're, you know, we use the phrase that you're wired, which makes you think you have all the energy, but internally you're tired. So right, you're right. wired and tired. Yes. You're breaking down your system and you're thinking, I'm above it. And right. then what happens to you? You're the one that I, he was, he was so energetic and, and he died. What, why did he die? Or you're the one that, you know, well, now I'm 60 years old and I haven't had a good night's sleep in years. You know, right. I, I, I never sleep because, look, believe me, it took me years to recover from open heart surgery. I used to go to, you know, I used to, I used to put clothes on my uh, on my chair because when the phone rang, I was out the door and going to go into an emergency. You know, yeah. I I was sleeping at the most two to four hours. Sometimes I remember going a hundred hours without sleep. Not who I want. I know opening up my body in your heart. <laughs> um, no, I used to tell people. I used to tell people I was like a combat surgeon. You know, yeah, you have to do it, but I wasn't in so combat. Disturbing. No. So the sympathetic, the parasympathetic nervous system is important in lowering your blood pressure, reducing all-cause mortality. All-cause mortality is reduced when you spend time in the parasympathetic nervous So how, how, how beneficial is just taking like a 10 or 20-minute nap if you can grab it? 10 or 20-minute naps are valuable, I think, because they're physiologically putting you at rest. They're slowing your heart rate down. I think it's a good thing. It's still not a parasympathetic state. If I put, if I put you on a 20-minute nap, remember your brain waves have alpha waves. They have this, this state we, have, we call beta, where we're alert and we're talking to each other. So this is, if I put an EEG on your brains, I'm going to find you're in a beta state, okay? Mm -hmm. High beta state is ready alert. That's when you're running away from you know you're running to the to, to the uh, you're running in the airport that's a high beta state you know you're you're catching a cab in New York City but that's a high beta state or you're you know alpha state is what you're getting in in when you're taking that nap what you really want is the theta state mm -hmm. you want that that parasympathetic resting state mm -hmm. you can't get there while you're alert and while you're you know so you you can't, you know, you're, you're, you think sleep, sleep is rejuvenative, but you're not really getting into that parasympathetic state. You have to find a way to quiet your central nervous system down. It really is extremely beneficial. The other thing that happens is you're inflaming the, the inner lining of every vessel in your body when it's constantly in contraction. When you're in the sympathetic state, you're in you're in a vasospastic state, so you're you have more damage to the intima, to the inner lying 
of the of the blood vessels. And when you have animal damage, that's when you get platelet adhesiveness. That's when you get early soft plaque formation. And that's when you see a young person with a, you know, suddenly at the age of 42 having a heart attack. We're, we're seeing kids now at the, I never operated on anyone in my career. And I've done over 3,000 procedures before I quit. I never operated on anyone under the age of 29 with heart disease. They're operating on kids 18 years old now oh, with heart Sorry. disease. And what do you, do you attribute that to diet or just general? I attribute it to overstimulation. overstimulation I think it's overstimulation. Yeah. I think we're overstimulated. I think, you know, the 5G network is going to create problems that we have never, ever in the world. Mm. You know, it's, it's so much more powerful than 4G. We're so screwed. <laughs> and on that yeah. note, thank you so much yeah. for your time. Exactly. <laughs> um, we do we actually. No way of, we have no way of, you know, of, of protecting ourselves. Yeah, wow. we have no way of protecting ourselves from the onslaught of it. But given everything that we're hearing from you and the information we're trying to disseminate, we can at least, we have tools that we can use to limit ourselves. We're never going to... You know, the body is so resilient. Yeah. I think if you follow some of the things that I talk about in the rejuvenation solution, that's why I called it the rejuvenation solution. Because it's not about, it's about rejuvenating your cells. You know, it's important for your cells to rest. It's important for the oxygen content of your cell to go down. It's important for you to give it the right plants, the right vitamins, the right minerals. It's more, there's a lot to this, but it's all pretty scientific now. And it's, you know, you know, vitamin D is not a vitamin. It was called a vitamin, but it's a pro-hormone. It's actually directly connected to your immune system. You need vitamin D because you can't get enough from sunlight. There's no way you get enough vitamin D in your system to upregulate your immune system. You need, you need absorption of vitamins and minerals from plants. So do you need supplements? Yeah, because we've depleted our soil. We're right. not eating. You know, so all of these things are important. What supplements you take? And then when you're sick, there's ways to reverse that. You know, there's things like antioxidants and high dose vitamin C and N-seal cysteine and glutathione, all of those things become critically important. And we've done them all today, this morning. Listen, I've already taken just about everything you've mentioned. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but, but do you really want to, you know, take 400 vitamins? I really don't. No, no I really no. don't. But you want to learn, you want to learn how to do it as naturally as possible. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and I think you don't need CoQ10 or you don't need vitamin D3 with K2 or you don't right. need, you know, but do you really want, do you really want to take glutathione when it's the major antioxidant that your body makes in the methylation process? You really, wouldn't you rather know whether you're making glutathione than you would taking glutathione? Yeah. I definitely would. Absolutely. Um, so that's where epigenetics comes in. So that's right. where knowing how you're different than, you know, how we're all different. And that, that's where epigenes come in. And that's where we're going in the future. And then we talk about, you know, what's the future of healing? You know, are we going to continue to do transplants? No, we're going we're gonna to heal the organs. We're going to use, you know, 
growth factors and exosomes and things that will heal damaged tissue before we get so bad we're replacing kidneys mm-hmm. and livers and you know the only thing we can't replace is the brain or the central you know or the spinal cord so far but you know eventually we are going to rejuvenate tissues we're going to you know even when you damage it we're going to be able to rejuvenate it that's the key the key that's is the solution that's the yeah. solution <laughs> All right. Well, we're clearly going to have to have a part two discussion because it's just... We only got halfway through the solutions. And it, yeah, we only got halfway yeah, through the did. solutions. Um, it's just, there's so much to dig into. And, you know, I, I appreciate that we're sort of touching on so many different things, but, um, you know, we got to... I really want to wring out some of these other subjects a little bit more. because um, And you are just such an amazing combination of like, so many different areas that we want to explore. So we're just going to get on a plane and come down and finish the, uh, do, do a part two. And well, then... yeah. And I also think I might just make you my doctor now. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you're totally booked, but you might become my officially like most expensive no, I doctor take, yet. I, I take new patients. I, I take, I take new patients because, you know, I, I don't think a doctor, you know, I always say to people, look, what are your goals? What's my job? I ask them what my job description is. Right. Right. Because I, I mean, want to know what you want from me. Mm-hmm. And if the job description is something that I can fit, I take the job. But the job should be a short job. It shouldn't be a lifetime job. That's a very fair point. For the rest of your life. Right. I'm right. doing my job. Shouldn't you say, hey, I, you know, you helped me. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a guy in my office yesterday that was five years ago. If you talk to this guy about meditation or about nutrition, he would have la- he would have walked out the office five yeah. years ago. Today he chants, he meditates. He's a vegetarian. He he uh, exercises every day. His business is flourishing. He's he's the CEO of a major company. It, he just he 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 said to me yesterday, "Cause you led me down this path, I would have never believed how beneficial it was." He's had his first grandchild three years ago. He's just loving life. Mm. He didn't, he, he's been depressed since he was 13 years old. He no longer has anxiety. He no longer has depression. And that's all with natural re- remedies. Not right. with, not taking stuff. Yeah. He's not taking all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Control his brain. We know how the brain breaks dopamine and serotonin down. We know, we know where the enzymes are, we know that stuff. And we can measure yours and we can tell you why you're having menstrual cramps or why you're having imbalances. We can we know that already. We're not using it because why? Because we don't have a drug for it. No, right. There's not a pill for that. No, yeah. yeah, there's no money to be made off of it from the pharmaceutical industry. Sadly. Yeah, See, this is the this is the kind of conversation I want to have with my doctor. Um so thank you for doing what you do. Thank um, you really for well, writing thanks, this book and for, for sharing this knowledge. Thanks for inviting me and, and uh, I'll be more than happy to talk on, if you want to do oh. one topic, we could just take we do. one topic. We yeah. do. We have a lot more questions. So <laughs> we're going to leave it here and follow up with you very, very soon. Okay. Thank thanks. you so much. Thanks. Bye now. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. 
You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hgwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.